Brick and Mortar Reporter, Episode 34. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that you can actually find us on Facebook, and through our Facebook link, you will be able to see every single episode as it gets released first thing every single morning. So if you want to like us on Facebook, we appreciate the likes. We appreciate comments. You can uh, reach us there any way you want to. Facebook.com forward slash brick and mortar reporter will find us on Facebook. Also, if you're a Twitter user, it's very easy to find us at BAM Reporter at BAM Reporter for Brick and Mortar Reporter. So those are two ways you can get in touch with us and stay in touch with us and keep up with the latest episodes on the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast. Now, off to the interview. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast today. My name is Christy, and I'm your host, and we have got a guest with us today that I know you're going to be excited to hear. His name is Ryan North. Now, he is the owner of Moss Envy. Now, you probably haven't heard of Moss Envy, but I guarantee you, when you hear his story, you're going to want one of these in your town. Moss Envy is an what we call an echo retailer in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So they sell green, sustainable, eco-friendly products for your home and life. And their inventory is very um, intentional. It's very planned out according to the values of the companies that produce that uh, type of material and the type of inventory and merchandise that they're looking for. So Ryan's business is about sustainability, and it's not just a buzzword um, because he's been able to take his company through some moves and some expansions and that sort of thing. So he is generous enough to be here today and share his journey with us. So Ryan, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you. Thank you so much. Excited to be on, and I hope I can spread the good word about Moss Envy across the country. Absolutely. We're excited to hear about it. I can't wait to just dig in here. But before we get into the business side of where you are right now, we want to hear the story of you. And I know um, you've you've had a long journey before you've gotten to where you are now. So just tell us what you think we need to know about you personally or professionally to kind of take us up to the point we are now. Sure. Well, um, a lot of a lot of my customers kind of laugh when they ask, you know, do you have a business background or, you know, how did you come to be an entrepreneur? And when I tell them right. I, I am, an, I was a professional actor before uh, launching this, you know, my business with my wife, wow. who is also an actor. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, people kind of laugh and their ears perk up and they, they want to know, well, how did that happen? Yeah. It's not a, a normal fit, definitely a different path. So how did yeah. it happen? <laughs> well, we were, uh, you know, we were, we were looking for self-employment. You know, we, uh, while as, as glamorous as, as exciting as the acting lifestyle sounds, you know, uh, it, it doesn't always make for the most consistent, you know, job security. Yes. Yes. Um, while, although, you know, when when Tina, my wife and fellow owner of Moss Indy met, we were doing a show together called Tony and Tina's wedding. And oh, it's wow. been all yeah, it's been all over, and it's like one of those interactive theater shows, and, uh-huh. and so that's that's where we met, and you know, she, so we were performing, and I was doing some teaching, and uh, I was commuting out to my teaching job like an hour each way, and oh, you know, yeah, and that's kind of, that's just a pain. So Great we, I think fun. we're yeah, <laughs> yeah, we we were both excited to you know talk to each other and figure out, say what can we do, uh, you know, we're, we're idea people as many yeah. of your listeners, I'm sure, are. And, <laughs> right. you know, we kicked around a bunch of ideas. Um, and my wife at the time, uh, it, it was around the holidays, and she was uh, just is that type of personality where, she, you know, she likes to make gifts instead of go out and buy mm-hmm. stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, and she just had a really good eye for taking something that maybe was headed for the waste stream and, and upcycling it into something more beautiful and useful. And mm-hmm. she was doing, doing that to give our friends and family gifts. Wow. Uh, 
And, uh, and that idea kind of germinated and uh, took hold and um, as uh, our very first business venture together called Regifts back in 2006, pre-recession. Uh, and the whole eco-friendly thing was kind of kind of hot and new and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so we opened our first little tiny gift shop and with a mission of, you know, carrying products that were uh, recycled and reclaimed uh, uh-huh. and some organic and natural products. Uh, but it was just a tiny little storefront, but it really hit uh, and people loved it. And we got critical acclaim and, you know, people writing stories about us and uh, our our meager empty shelves when we started kept, you know, filling as <laughs> Tina worked her butt off to find uh, more and more products that fit you know, the, the way we buy and the way the customers who are finding us were interested in buying. Um, and so quickly we discovered, boy, there's there's a need for this kind of product out there. Mm-hmm. And within a year, we opened a companion, a larger companion store, um, a more of a lifestyle uh, shop that carried, you know, beyond gifts. Uh, we got mm-hmm. into how, home goods. Um, mm-hmm. towels and sheets and okay. lawnmowers and all, I mean, all just all sorts oh, of things. Wow. Our, our second store is called Twin Cities Green. Okay. And for a time, both of those stores uh, were open and running simultaneously. Uh, oh, then, wow. then the recession hit, took hold. Uh, and in 2007, towards the end, I think towards the end of 2007, beginning of 2008, we closed Regifts. Uh, to focus on our larger, uh, more profitable, more profitable venture, um, mm-hmm. Twin Cities Green, and that was that was okay because all everything that was at Regifts easily fit into Twin Cities Green. So. I see. So you didn't lose anything by closing up one; you just got rid of an extra expense. Exactly, um, and you know, uh, a, a more a little more trendy location in the uptown area of Minneapolis. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we continued to have success, and each year we were growing by at least 20% from the year before last. Um, and, uh, yeah, people were really digging it. Uh, and that was Twin Cities Green was between 2007 and 2010. And then uh, we we kind of had it with our space. We were having some troubles. Uh, it would, every time it rained outside, it would rain inside and leak oh, no. on everything and you know we it's the worst feeling to be sitting at home and a rain rain starts and you think oh, oh no. no did i did i cover up the computers uh did i throw yes. this pla- <laughs> the plastic tarp over the bed at, at the store oh, you know wow. yeah. i mean it's just a horrible feeling and you know we kind of had a you know the landlord was troublesome and uh it was there was not a lot of parking so uh, we were ready to rebrand, not only because we felt we outgrew our location at Twin Cities Green, but um, we we kind of kind of got tired of uh, the word green. Uh, and, oh, okay. you know, a lot of people still use the word green to talk about, uh, you know, sustainability and being eco-friendly. Mm-hmm. But we felt that as a brand, green had kind of run its course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it became the, a buzzword. Yeah, and also a word that was abused terribly. Yes, over the, greenwashing. At, at, yes. Yeah, as as the green world grew, more and more people uh, jumped on the bandwagon, not necessarily for the best intentions. Right, um, absolutely. So, and we thought, hey, maybe we'd be outside of the Twin Cities someday, too, so we better get rid of the Twin Cities part of our name as well. Ah, thinking. Yeah, so we... Boy, uh, Yes, big picture, uh, thinking, you know, thinking about our hopeful growth in the future. And um, we wanted a name that, um, well, another thing about Twin Cities Green, we kind of felt like maybe we're excluding some people who felt like, oh, you know, am I green enough to go in the green store? You know, I, did, uh, I throw, yeah. did I throw away my aluminum can the other day? Am I, are they going <laughs> to make me feel guilty? You know, and right. we, didn't want, we didn't want that at all. You know, we, we want to be a store um, we, we think that being eco-friendly and living a sustainable life, you know, that lifestyle needs to be inclusive, not exclusive. Right. Um, and we, we, we feel that everyone, you know, can, 
can get on board uh, at some in some level. And you know, we have sure. some customers that walk in and they don't know anything what we're about. And you know, maybe they're not. Maybe sustainability isn't a part of their life, but they can still walk in and enjoy all of our beautiful products and find useful mm-hmm. things and gifts and all, all sorts of great things. You don't have to be an eco warrior to uh, enjoy what we do. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Yeah. So that's kind right. of the the long answer to your short question. How did we get to where we are? <laughs> wow. Now we're Moss Moss Envy. So. And that brought about a new location as well, right? From yep, yep. We moved about Ruby. yeah, we moved about two uh, miles west of our our Twin Cities Green location um, into just a beautiful part of town. It's the west side of Minneapolis, right by Lake Calhoun. You know, okay. Minnesota's the the land of ten thousand lakes, of course. Uh-huh. Um, of course, yes. And one of them is right across the street from us. Um, so uh-huh. it's a very, very pedestrian uh, neighborhood, people walking around um, when when the weather's nice, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. I feel, like, I feel like we just got out of about 10 months of solid winter. Siberia. But, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but I but hear you have had some spring this week. So that's oh, my crazy. gosh. I'm I'm sitting outside right now as, as I speak. So I love loving it. Finally, finally, waiting so yeah. long for it to come this year. So, Ryan, you, did when you decide, let me just say this, I, being an actor and that sort of thing, I, you know, it, it's not the same as being an entrepreneur, but in some ways it's completely being a solopreneur. You know, it's, it's being oh, yeah. responsible for your income and that sort of thing. So it's not as far of a stretch as some people might think to go into the business world, but at what point – did you really know that you were cut out for this entrepreneurial type uh, career path? Well, it's funny, um, you know, being being an actor, as you mentioned, you know, you you really are in the business of selling yourself, absolutely, uh, and, and the talent you have, uh, and you have to learn how to market that. And um, on top of that, I was also a producer and director of theater, so I okay. was, you know, I, I kind of had some practice and. Uh, developed a skill set of working with uh, the press. You know, I know how to write a press release. Um, okay. And, you know, I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and, and call media and try to get the word out. Um, and, you know, the way my wife and I work together, she, you know, she's the buyer and the visuals and I am the marketing and the technology. That's kind of our... Okay. And, Division and of we, labor. Yes, and it works just amazingly well. Um, a lot of people, you know, I, I don't... if I if I said, you know, you have to work with your wife, uh, you know, all day long, and then you're going to be at home at night with your wife all day long. And, you know, I mean, we, we work yeah. and play together all the time. And, you know, that, that has its own challenges, but uh, it just works for us. We, our skill sets happen to complement each other really well. Ah, um, that's great. Yeah. So a lot of transferable skills from the world of theater into the world of uh, small business. And, yeah, and, you it know, really is. In, you have to be able to, you know, talk about your business and talk about your products kind of off the cuff. And I mm-hmm. tell you, my, my improv background really uh, came into play there. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine being able to pull out words that you hadn't used in a while whenever you're describing things is is a skill set in its own, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd say every business owner should go out and take an improv class. I think they'd be Oh, busy. wouldn't that be fun? That I think they would enjoy it, too, and it would just broaden their whole scope of personality and how they talk to people and that sort of thing too so yeah not not to mention a good staff building exercise exactly yeah that would be a great team builder so it would be funny to be able to put yourself in that situation so let me let me ask you this you guys um kind of had this evolution for or idea for the business come about very organically in your lives and it's not like you you know had this two-year plan and said okay in two years we're going to open this store let's start you know working on our inventory but when you finally took the plunge because I'm sure at some point in time you said okay we're going to leave acting behind and we're going to focus on this retail store and what type of fears did you have that you had to overcome in making that transition, because even if you had sporadic income as an actor, it was still something that you probably knew you could go and get if you really hustled. With yeah. a retail store, it's very different because many times you are sitting back and waiting for your customers to come to you. So how did you deal with all the fears or what fears did you have? 
Um, well, you know, it's kind of a do or die situation, I think, where, you know, you have to um, listen. You know, you listen to your customers, you listen to what they mm-hmm. want, and um, and you just never you never stop trying to learn. And you know, any any fears. I, I mean, the the fears and the um, the unknown aspects of being a small business owner, I think, are kind of kind of exciting. Maybe I'm a fear junkie. <laughs> Adrenaline <laughs> junkie, yeah. something, yeah. You know, so, but it's amazing what you can learn um, on the internet and, and just mm-hmm. from trial and error. Uh, and, you know, you have to have a sound business model, and I think you have to uh, never stop being a student. Uh, you know, oh, particularly, yeah. Yeah, you know, we didn't go to school for business. So right. everything we learned, we learned on our own. And from, you know, we've worked with a couple of great organizations um, here in Minnesota. Uh, there's one, there's, I think it's a national organization called SCORE. Um, uh, so many and, people have talked about that. What a great thing it is for small business owners. So, yeah. Absolutely. You know, these are retired businessmen and women, and they're, uh, they are there to, kind of hold your hand through different transitions and you kind of get an expert and they have, they have names like, you know, Merle and Sydney and the, all these old man <laughs> names, you know, they're, and, and, and they're, and they're just, they're awesome to work with. Uh, so, you know, it, we, we, we weren't on our own. Uh, the help is there if we needed it, you know, we networked with other business owners and we joined uh, the Metro independent business Alliance here in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and uh, we also worked with a really fantastic organization called Women Venture. Uh, the way we set up the structure of our company, um, my wife has more shares than I do. Go figure, mm-hmm. right? Uh, right, and, uh, of course. <laughs> and and so that that makes us a women women run business. So ah, we, uh, very smart thinking. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, we we've loved working with Women Venture, and that you know they exist to, to help. Uh, women with business ideas and the different stages of developing a business. And, you know, we've gotten uh, funding through them and uh, just so much uh, learning opportunities. And, uh, you know, they helped us frame our initial uh, business plan. And uh, so, you know, it's, you have to be smart about it. You definitely Mm -hmm. have to do your homework and, um, you know, it's all, it's all laid out there for you. You just have to follow the steps and, and hope that the product that you're trying to hack to people is something that people are going to catch on to. And mm-hmm. and then I think you have to listen, you have to listen to your customers and you have to listen to the industry you're in and you have to not be afraid to grow, uh, and to, uh, to kill off things that aren't working. Ah, Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's it's important too, though, that one of the things that you did was you didn't just say, "Hey, let's do this." Uh, you know, honey, you do great little, you know, you do great re up up cycling and recycling of these items. Let's just open a store and just kind of let the cards fall where they may. It's like you you open the store, but then at the same time, you're actively reaching out to all of these organizations that are there for the taking, and you didn't just do it in a vacuum and say, well, we'll see how this flies, you know. Yeah, and so I, I mean, think that active role is so critical. Absolutely. You have to set your ego aside and say, you know, uh, well, especially with us with no business background, you have to say, hey, we, we don't – we only have our instincts to go off of here, and sure. we know there's a yeah. there's a world of 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 knowledge out there uh, through different organizations and the internet that have been through it all, and you know, and, and yeah, mm-hmm. you just you you just reach out and and hope that you make good decisions and and that the customers will come and they'll like what you're selling. And, you know, there's so many, if you reach out, no matter what community you're in, there are so many people that are absolutely willing to hand you what their experience has been and they, the lessons they have learned and give you give you so much to try to make your path easier if you just ask. But most of the time, people aren't going to go around forcing it on you, you know. So right. I think it's critical to reach out and don't be afraid of rejection 
because it you could get rejected or you could just have no response from somebody. But so many times people reach out and are more gracious than you would have ever imagined. Yeah, and, and I think it's, um, you know, if you're looking for advice, you know, sometimes it's tough when someone comes to you for advice who wants to do the exact same thing you're doing. You know, yes. that, that, mm-hmm. then my wall, I, I must admit, my walls kind of go up. It's, you know, it's I'm, hard, I, yes. I, as I'm all for people starting their own business, but you know, I'm I, I'm not I'm not going to give away all my secrets, of course. Right, right. Yeah, to your own detriment, you can't. But you know, the thing is, there's so much, there's so many places in the country that don't have a type of store like you have, and don't have yeah. the type of resources um, within their communities, and so it's definitely. Um, something that could be replicated in so many areas that would just benefit the community and the, um, you know, the environment and all that sort of thing. So I think what you're sharing is is good. Um, not that we want anyone to set up right there on top of you in Minnesota, but hopefully uh-huh. you've got your loyal customer base already locked in, and there's no room for any of that anyway. But now, as yeah. you've gone through your um, kind of your different incarnations of your uh, the store and and how you've kind of settled on where you are right now. Have you had failures or lessons that you've learned along the way from something that did not go like you wanted it to that maybe you could share with somebody else that could learn from that situation? Oh yeah, I mean as as the as the guy who does the marketing, I feel like um I mean I I I think other marketers feel this way too. I feel like, you know, half the decisions I make, I'm just I, I might as well just be lighting my my dollar bills on fire, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. Trial uh, and error with your own money, right? Yes, yeah, and uh, so yeah, I feel like I I feel like I fail all the time um, in, in just trying to, as making marketing decisions. Uh, it's that's just so hard uh, to put it out there to the world, and particularly you know the the non digital marketing. You know, with the digital marketing out there, you, there's, you know, it's pretty easy to determine your, your, your return on your investment. But sure. you know, if you you put an ad in a paper, um, yeah, then then it's hard. You know, if yeah. if if one per one or two people come in and say, hey, I read your ad in the uh, you know Minneapolis St. Paul magazine, uh, and I you know I spent a thousand dollars or more, I kind of feel like, yeah. oh, hey. That's that's a success. I had two people yeah, tell me about exactly. it. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I just thought. sometimes I just wonder what the heck am I doing here. Um, yeah. But uh, so yeah, failures. Uh, you know, I I, I remember one uh, something that bit us in the butt right off. You know, we tried to uh, we tried to work with. This was back before we were selling um, before we were selling building materials. We tried to work uh-huh. with another company, and we had. You know, we put out a display of their building materials, and mm-hmm. we we kind of had an uh, an agreement um, that any any work they uh, got off of, see, you know, our customers seeing their display, we would get a little cutback, like a ten percent off of the sale. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, well, we we learned the hard way that that uh, those types of relationships weren't for us because. They, uh, we, we know, we know for sure of a job that, that they got off of their, their display in our store. And we, you know, they, they didn't give us a dime. So, Uh, you know, you can, you know, that's, that's an example of trying to network and reach out and and it didn't work. And that kind of soured us on those sorts of relationships from that point Mm -hmm. on. And so we said, uh, but that, that eventually drove us to, when we opened Moss Envy, we had our uh, own line of building materials uh, that okay. we were that we were selling. Now, since then, we've actually let that category fall away. Um, mm-hmm. That's a tough. That's a really tough one to keep up with. But you know that I mean that's an example. You not all of your networking and reaching out is going to be all roses and and uh, and sunshine. <laughs> Well, and you know, the thing is with marketing, you know, it even you know, even from when you started in like 2007, 
you know, marketing has changed in the last seven oh years, you know? I mean, so even yeah. even if you, you know, you had something that was wildly successful in 2007, I guarantee you that same thing is not going to be wildly successful today. So it's almost like this ever-evolving thing. So even if you felt like, oh, I, I had my handle on marketing and it was a great, you know, great marketing campaign we just did, well, just wait because it's not going to be long before that same thing's not working anymore, you know? Oh, and yeah. so everyone is in that same boat of constantly trying to stay ahead of the curve and figure it. I mean, it's just that constant figuring it out and continuing to tweak. And I think the biggest thing that so many people that I hear from marketing professionals and from other small business owners is the fact that you just have to keep at it and you have to keep on with your marketing. You can't do a one-time marketing campaign and expect to suddenly get all these new first-time customers from it. It's just not going to happen. So No, you um, do, yeah, you do have to keep going with it and you have to keep trying uh different things. I I think I suffer from trying too many things. I uh, you know like social <laughs> networking, I I I have Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest and Tumblr. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I, I, how can <laughs> I keep, how can I keep up with all this? It's just insane. Uh, so, I don't know. I I I love Twitter. I love Facebook. And you know uh-huh. that if I had a if I had a marketing team, I'd I'd probably love the, all the other ones as well. But yeah, you know, it's just so hard to so so hard to be good at all of them. You know. Right. And, you know, the the biggest thing, I think, when you do social media or when you decide on social media is really finding out which ones your customers are on and then yeah. making those your primary. And then if you can't hit them all, then don't. But just make sure the ones you're mainly doing are also the same ones your customers are doing. You want to hear another failure? Sure. Yeah. If you, uh, since you've had to, go ahead. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, this last summer, I, uh, I, I, I tried um, doing interns. Oh and, yeah, that's a great idea. It, yeah, it was great. Except I bit off way more than I can chew. I, I hired four marketing interns, and for a twelve-week internship. And oh wow. my gosh. It was just too much, you know, and it was our second round of interns. My first round of interns were was not managed by myself. I I was managing this round and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just, I, I ran out of things for them to do and there was just too many of them. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought if I do this again, it's going to be, you know, no more than two, probably one mm-hmm. for uh-huh. like a six, six week internship that, that would have been a, a lot more manageable. Let me ask you this, Ryan, because a lot of business owners um, have not done anything with internships and have not, mm-hmm. you know, dipped their toe into that water. Can you just kind of give us a little brief of, like, if I was a business owner and I thought that maybe some type of intern was a good fit for my business and it would be beneficial to the intern and to my business, where what do you do to get an intern or to start a program like that? Well, I think first you have to know that, you know, interns aren't just to do your dirty work, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and I think there has to be a part of you that likes being a mentor and likes teaching, you know, um, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and you have to kind of enjoy that because that is a huge part of it. You know, you, um, we reached out to uh, two local colleges here. Minnesota has a business college. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of bigger, uh, institutions, educational institutions have, uh, programs already set up and it's just a matter of finding out, you know, how do I list my job opportunity? And, um, it's, it was really helpful to see what all the other internships were. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know, like, are they paying? Are they not paying? Mm-hmm. Are they, right. are they three weeks? Are they eight weeks? Are they, you know, what? I wanted to be competitive and I wanted to get some good quality um, folks in uh, to, to also, I mean, I also wanted to learn from them, you know, they're, sure. they're going, they're going to business school to be, you know, to do marketing. And I did not do that. So I right. thought, you know, I, I, I can give, it's a total give and take two way street that you have to be mm-hmm. ready to go down and you have to, you know, I, I mean, I was excited. I was eager to kind of learn from them and, let, you know, kind of present them with 
challenges and see how sure. their young minds, you know, grip onto yeah. it and, and see how, how, how they would tackle it. And, and then I brought to them, you know, years of experience in the field. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah, it worked out. I just had too many of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. The, the actual structure of an internship, like whether it's 12 weeks or whether it's paid and all that, is that something that's set up with the business owner, or is that something that's set up by the college that would be helping provide the interns? Um, I, it's totally up to the owner. Um, I, think, okay. I think maybe – I think or at least it was when I did it. Um, sure. I got, I got to pick how long it was, and, you know, you just – it's like offering a job, really. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you put it out there and the, in, you know, you have to interview everyone who's interested and, um, and yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty up to me to define the parameters of the job of, of the internship. I see. I see. Very interesting. Well, yeah. you know, I think there are so many small business owners that that, you know, not just for getting some immediate help, like you were talking about with, you know, it's an area that you felt like you were kind of weak in and maybe wanted some additional expertise. At the same time, you know, they're getting the benefit of working actual in the real world and with a business owner that's, you know, trying to teach at the same time. But, you know, many times that's a really good place to find some of your future employees if you're adding a marketing department or, you know, those kind of things. And so I think, you know, that is just a really good way for small business owners to kind of test it out and really see, you know, oh, yeah. is it time to add somebody or is it, you know, time to, to figure this out on our own. And I love that that's the first time it's actually been mentioned on the podcast and we're into 30 something episodes now. So oh, wow. I love that you did that. Yeah. I love that you did that. And, uh, you know, you you can't underestimate, especially with social media and that sort of thing, you can't underestimate the value of having someone of a younger generation be on the cut you know, on the cutting edge of what's going on working oh, in yeah. your business to help I mean, bring you to that level. <laughs> if you if you feel like you're struggling with technology or social media, yeah, hire. I mean, those those college kids uh, they live for that. You know, they eat it up and yeah. that's that's their life and uh yeah. They can real, you know, and I, I did have one of those four interns I hired last summer uh, has come on as a contractor and is uh, helping me with my website. So, nice. so yeah, okay. definitely so it did there, work out. It did indeed, and Excellent. it's funny. It's funny this 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 internship uh, when I hired him, you know, I I I thought, you know, I I didn't I didn't know if he was going to be the, you know the strongest candidate. Um, mm-hmm. for, for the internship, uh, but then uh, he, you know, he was he proved himself to be a really hard worker and um, just fit in real well and 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 really just really went for it and had the skills and um, they transferred over to this need I had with my website and uh, he out of all of them he's the one who ended up sticking around so. You, you know, and it's it's also interesting because it probably gave you a whole different um, comfort level bringing somebody on um, to work in your business, even on a contract basis, um, because you already knew so much about what type of person he was and what type of what type of skills he had and what he brought to the table, rather than just trying to ascertain that from an interview. You know, oh, it's yeah. a whole different world whenever you've seen you've kind of you know, seen it on display for 12 weeks. So Yeah, an, an internship is like the world's longest interview. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> sometimes it goes so well and sometimes it, it really doesn't. So I know right. it's uh, good that you could, you know, at least use one later on to meet a completely different need in your business. So yeah. Now, Ryan, at this point in your business career, um what is the accomplishment that you've had that you're most proud of? Um, and what am I most proud of? Uh, I think, I think that we're still we're still here. You know, we're uh-huh. we uh, we, uh, we we made it. You know, through yeah the recession. Whoo, you yeah, got right that, in on that. <laughs> absolutely, and we you know we saw a lot of our peers come and go, uh, during mm-hmm. that time. And, um, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm proud that, uh, uh, that 
I'm able to work with my wife and and make that work out so well. Yeah, and, still being happily married. Yeah. Yes, and I'm <laughs> I, and I think I'm also proud that uh, that we are able to uh, spend our day uh, selling products that we think ultimately help the world be a better place. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting when you can have a value based business and it kind of be the values that you feel are important and in your normal life and then make that your business, you do feel like there's a larger global contribution. And then at the same time, you're sort of like um, by default, a, a sort of a recruiter or an ambassador for those values. And so I do think it definitely helps spread, um, spread a good message of conscious consumption, sustainability, and just trying to be a little more thoughtful in how we, um, discard things in our disposable society because I know you see it and your wife has seen it more than um, the average person whenever you realize how much we throw away. It's crazy. We operate off of um, a principle called the triple bottom line. I don't know if you've heard of that me, No, tell me about that. So the triple bottom line stands, uh, the, the triple part of it, the three bottom lines are people, planet, and profit. Okay. In that so, order. Yeah, well, well, I don't okay. know. I I, I haven't okay. ever thought about there being like a, hierar- a hierarchical yeah. order there, but um, you know, a lot of a lot of businesses, you know, are driven by their single bottom line, which is right. you know, what right. how much money money do I have, <laughs> or are we making or losing? Um, but I, I think it's really helped separate us and also keep our doors open over the years to have mm-hmm. not us not only worried about. Um, the money we're making, but also worry about, you know, the the, pe- the people who are making the products and the people who are buying the products and the people whose uh, lives these products affect. Um, and and as far as the planet goes, you know, selling products that uh, are contributing to the sustainability of our our planet and sure. to make to, to understand that you know we do have limited resources. Mm-hmm. And the, and just as you mentioned, you know, to raise the profile of conscious consumption sure. and, and yeah. to let let people know that there there's a different, you know, you don't that you can you can think about more than uh, when you buy something anywhere. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a lot more to think about that goes deep. It runs deeper, and uh, you, the world and you and your family and your community can sure. be a better place if you if you look just a little bit deeper about your purchases. Absolutely. And I think we've gotten in a habit in this country of really not caring a lot more about than what meets the eye. You know, if it looks good, we don't care where it came from. We don't care the care about the impact of the environment. We don't care um, that it might have been children that have were working to make the products or, you know, those kind of things. And it's good to it's good to examine underneath that surface and see and really look and and, you know, our dollars are supporting so many things in the world that we as individual people probably would not put our endorsement on, but we're, you know, voting that way with our dollars. And so I think when we get that message out there or even make people ask the questions, well, where did this come from and why is it important where it came from and how was it made and where, you know, where did the raw materials come from and, you know, all that, those are great questions to ask because it gets past that, Oh, this is cute, and it's the right price. So let me go ahead and you know be a consumer yep. of it. Well, I, I always think about you know if you're getting a great deal, um, you have to think about well, okay, who is uh, who at whose who sacrifice expense? Yeah, yeah. whose sacrifice is this great deal coming to you? Um, sure. So, and a lot of times, you know, people think. You know, I have some people who think the you know shopping with a sustainable mindset is always going to be more expensive, and it's yeah, just, that's I mean, true. some sometimes it's the case, but certainly not always. You know, uh, right. And then it's also on how you frame it too. If I mm-hmm. if I if I buy a five hundred dollar uh, side table that's you know made by the hard working hands of a local woods worker here in Minnesota mm-hmm. out of Minnesota wood and it's joint you know the like good old fashioned uh, tenon and joint, uh-huh. you know joinery you know yeah. it's, 
it's it's going to be your ass. It's going to be a piece of furniture you're going to hand down to your kids versus the ten dollar IKEA side together, table yeah. that that you buy that is is disposable furniture, you know. And absolutely. Um, so and in the course of I, your life, you might have ten of them. So what kind of a deal was it? Yeah. Exactly. So let me ask you this. With Moss Envy, what kind of marketing strategies are you seeing work for you guys right now? What are you doing that's working? Um, well, currently I am uh, – I, I just feel it's all a grand experiment, really. Uh, right now <laughs> – right Well, now, then there's I'm, no failures, right? You're just validating ideas then. <laughs> absolutely. Um, the, the, the marketing du jour for Moss Envy is radio. Um, so we are, um, okay. we're, we're, we're playing around with radio ads, uh, and, you know, we pepper in all the other, um, you know, we've got a little bit of print ads, uh, you know, of course, social networking is, uh, is a forever constant. Um, sure. you know, we do our, our e-newsletter that we send out twice a month is, is very effective. We always see a, a boost in business after that mm-hmm. newsletter goes out. Um, but yeah, radio, radio, we've done radio, we've done TV ads. Uh, wow. TV, okay. Yeah, we and you know that's a lot of people's reaction, and it's funny. Um, they're they're not particularly uh, spendy when you when it comes down to it. Um, TV was interesting. I thought it really lends a, like a legitimacy to your business. Someone sees sure. a TV TV ad that you're on, absolutely, and they automatically think, oh, they they they're kind of big deal, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, and and most of the time, these TV channels they're going to come in and shoot the commercial as part of the cost. Okay, okay. So you're not paying like for production and all that kind of stuff. You're you're essentially paying for the airtime. Exactly. And you get all uh, the other stuff thrown in. The commercial gets made in the meantime. Yeah, and and you know that's been kind of across the board. You know, even with print ads, most of the places I. I, I happen to be a graphic designer as well, so I do I mm-hmm. do all of our print ads in house. But all of you know, everyone who I give my money to to do a print ad, they usually offer it. You know, they're like, "Do you need us to make the ad for you?" Uh, I see. And it's, and it's usually no extra cost, and it was the same with TV. It was the same with radio. So okay. you know, you don't you don't have to have those skills necessarily. I mean, you have to be able to come up with some ideas for their for copy, but they even sure. have people who will put your ideas into into a commercial, you know? I mean, that's... Sure. So if you're not the best writer, if you know your product, but maybe you don't know how to, you know, maybe you Position don't know how to write. it or sell it, yeah. Exactly. Uh, there, there are, there's resources out there for you. And, yeah, like it, I, um, what else? I'm trying to think. Oh, okay, I, I, I'm a big sucker for technology. Um, okay. <laughs> we, we are, um, we're experimenting with a service called Swarm, right now. Oh, I've not heard of Swarm. What is Swarm? Um, so Swarm is a sensor in your store that uh, picks up on the cell phone signal of your customers. So, oh, really? And, and, and therefore can count them. Um, and then uh, they can also count uh, the sensor stretches out even further and can uh, tell the people, the amount of people who are walking by your store or driving by your store outside, mm-hmm. and not and not coming in. So, okay. um, and then it 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 also calculates dwell time in your store, so you can mm-hmm. have, you know you get all these really rich reports on on your customer behavior in your store, and then you can link it up to your point of sale system if you're that fancy and wow. uh, correlate sales with in store traffic with uh, you know. How, how many people came in versus didn't versus walked or drove by. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's real. And then you can, I mean, I can just open up my cell phone and look at the app and I can tell how many people walked through my store that day versus wow. that same day last week or so. Yeah, it's really, it's really a really great tool, I think. And so this is a, a physical piece of hardware that you've put in your store that then integrates with all the software. That's right. Is that right? Okay. Yes. So, wow. Interesting. I've not heard of that, but I'm definitely going to check that out because I know, and we'll even in the show notes and that sort of thing, we'll link up to uh, information about that. So if people want to check it out, they can just hit it right from our show notes. But good, good tip on that. Something, something new. We always like to hear about new things. So yeah. Now, 
Now, Ryan, for what you're doing with Moss Envy, what type of metrics or performance indicators are you keeping track of right now, and why do you feel like those are important to your business? Um, well, you know, we kind of geek out over our numbers. Um, you know, every day our, uh-huh. we, use, we use our point-of-sale system, you know, when we fire it up in the morning, you know, the first thing we look at is the, uh, you know, what what did we do in sales this day last year, this week last year, this month last year, and our year-to-date mm-hmm. numbers, you know, so those are those are big. We look at those every day, and they, they help motivate us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we we have we we have a certain uh, percentage that we like to stay up. Um, sure. So far, I mentioned our our that twenty percent. Um, you know, we like so far in you know since two thousand six, we've we've closed out every year being you know twenty percent up from the year before it. So that's wow. kind of that's that's what um, we look yeah it's what we look for. Uh, we we want wow. that percentage to be up there, and it's not always you know we started off mm-hmm. the year under that and you know we just had a big promotion in the store and that helped us uh you know get up to you know significantly over that now for this time of year but you know it it's uh it ebbs and flows and you just hope sure. that it, it flows a little more than it ebbs yeah exactly exactly when it all comes down to the end of the year that's what you want to see definitely now um as you look back over the course of your career and of course counting the time you've you know done other things besides be in business if you had the ch- chance to change anything about it would would there be anything you'd change um you know it's uh, i i didn't i didn't know when we got into it all how how much the business would just come to life and uh-huh. really, really act like a a fourth family member. You know, I mean, we've got okay. our, we've got a, we've got a son, and you know, it's like, uh, you know, there's been times, and may, I still feel this way a little bit. Like I, if I wanted to walk away from it, I couldn't. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just like take, it's, <laughs> it's just taken on a life of its own, and. It's it's I feel like it's growing with or without us, you know. And uh-huh. I mean, and I know not every entrepreneur out there can say that. I feel right. very blessed, fortunate, you know, to be able to say that. Um, well, but absolutely. yeah, it's, it, I, but I didn't know when we got into it that it would be. Yeah, it, it feels hard to. I mean, we we think about exit strategies and where do we go from uh-huh. here, and you know, are we gonna open one up in every, you know, metropolis in the, in the country or, you know, or are we going to sell, you know, are we going to franchise it out? I think these are questions that all of us entrepreneurs think about. Sure. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I, um, so that, I think I, I didn't, I didn't quite know how, and being an idea person too, it's like, I, I've got lots of things. I've I've got like three other businesses sure. that I yes. that I'd like to yes. start, you know, and uh-huh. and and right now, you know, we are uh, uh, I'm, uh our our future is just unknown and I, mm-hmm. I that's uh, that's okay. We're okay with the unknown, uh but I'd I'd like to I didn't know when we started it how, you know, how much how deeply embedded it would mm-hmm. become as as you know part of part of my life and i think you know that's just maybe my naivete regarding the you know having never owned my own business i guess sure. everyone has to has to start somewhere well and you know you start it out and you have these doubts that you know well if i start this is this any even anything somebody wants and then yeah. you know for month after month and year after year it to be validated to the point that it's growing 20% every year I mean, it's probably a little bit mind-blowing that you actually started this, and before you know it, I mean, it's not like your wife is out, make, you know, doing some big corporate job that, you know, is the safety net in case it didn't go well. I mean, you put all your eggs in one basket and all your chips on the table for this to work or not, and to have it be what it is today is probably one of those things where you kind of have to pinch yourself every now and then. Yeah. And, and to, to watch my business go from, 
you know, just, a, you know, a tiny, really, really tiny mom-pa startup to, uh-huh. you know, to a um, almost a million-dollar, uh, you know, company. Sure. Uh, it's, you know, that's, uh, you have to start... You have to start uh, behaving more like more like a yes. corporation. You know, you legitimizes you to, everything. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be. You have to be organized. You have to. It's yeah. It's amazing. Is that, so that's what I when when I say if you like it's grown with or without me, it's uh-huh. it's like I'm I'm just I'm just barely keeping up with keep up uh, with it. Yeah. With it. Yeah. That's funny. Now, one of the things we like to do, Ryan, as we talk to local business owners all across the country is um, we like to find out if there are holes in the market in your area that you've identified. Um, We probably have some people that are listening that want to start a local business, but they just haven't identified or even defined their niche yet. And so are there products or services that you would love to find or see locally, but you simply cannot find them? Uh, how about a, um, a a couch or an upholstered chair or couch maker, a furniture mm. builder that is using eco-friendly um, materials? Okay, is that that's you know, hard to find? Oh yeah, impossible. You, you, you know, we uh, you have to go to the coast. To you know, to, you have to go to California, and shipping a couch across the country is not oh, the yeah. eco-friendly oh, yeah. thing in the world. You know, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, but you know, the it's it's that's a tough nut to crack. You know, everyone people here in the Midwest they want that, but then when the price tag for uh, eco-friendly couch is four to five grand, then yeah. it's like oh, uh oh, yeah. But you know, yeah, there's uh, but you're dealing with uh things in your home that you sit on for hours sometimes sometimes sure. more for other people and and uh you know all upholstered furniture has to be uh flame retardant uh uh-huh. and and you know these are chemicals and you know the upholstered furniture business is just kind of full of chemicals so yeah there you go it it's not it's i was going to say it's not um what's generally the typical green industry that you think of at all yeah. it's more like toxic toxic and everything is um not you know leaching off things that are that are contaminating the air quality in your house and all yeah. that sort of thing so so we definitely. we love to sell uh chairs and couches in our store but we're not willing to you know ship them from uh, across sure. the country it's just kind of it totally negates the point of of having a sustainable, sustainably made couch. Well, hey, you just bring up a good point that I just realized I didn't ask you, but I know that you're very intentional with how you source your inventory for your store. Are there basic principles or guidelines that you use um, for your inventory as far as what type of things you'll buy? Absolutely. Well, to you know, to be general about it, everything fits into one of I think it's seven categories. You you count while I say them. Okay, ready? Okay. Uh, recycled, reclaimed, natural, organic, sustainable, locally made, or fair trade. There you go. You got seven. Okay. Seven. Wow. Okay. And so sustainable is kind of like that catch-all sure. sort of uh, you know. Uh, but yeah, the. Pretty much everything in my store would, you know, fit into one of those categories or several okay. of those categories. Okay. And so let me ask you this. Does Made in USA play a role in that at all, or does that come into um, sustainability as far as getting things from overseas, or how, how does that work? Yeah, well, we, you know, we the closer to home, the better. And, and that's, okay. that, you know, for us, you know, we, we support a ton of, Minnesota makers, uh, and oh, good. We're, re- we're really proud of, of how many made in Minnesota items we, we have for sale, sale in our store. Um, you know, our, our uh, buying, uh, actually, when we first started, when we were regifts, our the end, the end of our uh, borders was the United States. Okay, um, okay. But then, then we, we grew, and there's just, you know, as you grow and you have more shelf space to to fill, sure. Um, you know, you have to start looking outside of the United States. 
Um, and, you know, there's a lot of great things being made all over the world, uh, mm-hmm. particularly, but, well, you know, once we get out of the United States, we do like to definitely dig into the manufacturing, um, you know, is it, you know, are there any, is any party out there being taken advantage of? Sure. You know, we, we look for things to be fair trade certified. Um, that are, you know, if they're made outside of the United States, particularly, you know, in, uh, you know, the, we, we all know the, the countries of questioning out there, sure. you know, yeah. your chi- China and all these places, you have to be mm-hmm. careful, you know, and, and I can't say that there's nothing in my store made in China, um, mm-hmm. but there's not a ton. Right. And you're, uh, and you're, you're vetting those manufacturers and, um, the people where, where your things come from to make sure that you're being as conscious as you can. Yeah. You know, as, as, as much as we can, um, you know, I'd, I'd love, I wish I had the budget to fly out and, you know, look at these, Inspect, yeah. and, you know, myself, but we're just not there yet. So, you know, as, as my, my wife, you know, has to follow her gut a lot and, and, uh-huh. and, and, you know, you just have to get to know the company and, and hope that what they're telling you is honest. And, uh-huh. um, and, and you know, we, we have a pretty good track record so far. And if we, if we find out that something is fishy or if it's not what they're claiming it to be, then they get dumped. So. Yeah, well, good. I I just thought, you know, it's, that's something that we should talk about because um, everyone has different criteria for, you know, their businesses, and um, it it's interesting to hear those those seven things listed out like that because those are all uh, very valid um, criteria, you know, for right. what you would put in your store. So well, and and even with those, you have to be, you know, kind of careful and ask questions. Like, I mean, one of them I yeah. mentioned is is natural. And, uh-huh. you know, I mean, uh, what is, what does that mean? You know, I mean, yeah, what it, yeah. Ars- arsenic is natural. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, and you know, these, these words get greenwashed so much with companies and yeah. in marketing and advertising. So, so you do have to get underneath and you can't just look for something that has a label that says natural, but you actually have to look at what is it composed of? What is it made of? Where is exactly. it made? How is it made? And so it, we try really hard to, you know, build our level of trust with our, with our mm -hmm. customers. You know, we want our customers to to walk into Moss Envy and feel like Ryan and Tina have, have vetted everything in here. I I know them. I I know how picky they are. uh, And they've done all the hard work for me. So. And they don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Exactly. Excellent. Well, what's the next step for Moss Envy right now? Well, um, we are excited to um, be considering um, Moss Envy 2, which would be our second storefront um, mm-hmm. in the St. Paul area. Uh, then okay. We, ha- we feel like we'd have our Twin Cities covered. Um, sure. We have, we have a good deal of customers that, you know, cross the river to come over to us, and we, they, they just always – let us know. Hey, we'd love to have a Moss Envy over on the east side of town. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, um, so we're we were uh, we were hot on the trail of some spaces in the uh, in the fall and winter, but then uh, you know life gets in the way, and we sure. we we ended up uh, you know we're selling our house right now and buying a new one, and so uh, you know to to be looking for a home and looking for a business space is just too much to handle, you know, a little real estate overload, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so we're hoping to, we're hoping to get back to it, you know, now that the, the weather has turned and people are, you know, not grouchy and walking around, right. we're yeah. going to get back out there and start looking again uh, here pretty soon. Excellent. Expansion is always a good thing when you can, you know, plan for it and have it have it fit into your business model very naturally, like that by having already having that customer base kind of cultivated and just waiting for you to get over there. So that's a good thing. So um, one of the things I always like to do because you have been extremely generous with your time and the information you've shared and the things that you've given us um, in this interview, and so I always like to give you the opportunity as a business owner to promote anything about your business 
um, that you would like on the podcast? Because I know we have listeners in, in Minneapolis area um, sure. that may or may not be familiar with your store. I don't really know. Um, but what can we let you promote that would be beneficial to anyone that would hear? Well, let's just – we'll get the basics out of the way real quick. Uh, sure. www.mossenvy.com is our website. Okay. And okay. we're on face, Facebook and Twitter, and it's just, you know, facebook.com slash uh, mossenvy or twitter.com slash mossenvy. We're, we're easy to find out there. Just do a Google okay. search and, and get on board. We love uh, to communicate with our customers and our community um, through the different social networks out there. So we'd love to – We'd love to invite anyone listening out there to uh, to look us up and please join one of our online communities or sign up for sure. our newsletter. Um, but you know, I think one of the one of the biggest things uh, we've come to be known for are our organic mattresses that we sell. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, um, we we have you know we have the largest showroom of organic and natural mattresses in the Upper Midwest. And we've had people wow. drive down, you know, drive down from Canada and Michigan and the Dakotas to just get their bodies on our mattresses. Um, Interesting. So, wow. Uh, yeah, you know, I t- we kind of touched on it when we talked about couches a little bit, but mattresses yeah. also suffer from the same thing. You know, they're a Absolutely. lot of mattresses. You know, most mattresses have, uh, you know, chemical flame retardants, and if you have a foam mattress, it's going to be off-gassing some nasty stuff. And yeah, more, yeah. More and more and more people are realizing that, hey, maybe you know, maybe they're maybe you're eating a little more organic food, or you're maybe reading your ingredient labels on your lotion a little. You know, you're kind of raising mm-hmm. that consciousness. And one of the next places we find people start to evaluate is their bedroom, uh, yes. and how healthy is, you know, the place where I, I go to heal my body eight hours a night, you know, is that, is that the most healthy place? And for a lot of people, the answer is no. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's uh, a great place to learn about what uh, we have to offer is right on our website, mossimmy.com slash mattresses. Excellent. Well, what I always do is I do show notes and that sort of thing um, for the interviews. And so in those show notes, I always link up to all the places people can find you online and also any of the other resources and things that you might have mentioned in the interview. So um, we want people to be able to find those. So I will definitely have all that linked up so people can just go straight to our website, thebrickandmortarreporter.com, and uh, get on your episode and be linked up to all these things. So I will definitely um, look forward to some of our listeners finding you and finding uh, finding a way to kind of educate themselves about, you know, some of the, the sustainable and, and eco products that are out there. Because I think there's probably a lot that is not even really on people's radar yet. And by seeing that there is something out there that's available in whatever line of product they're looking for, um, definitely can just light the fire for starting people to, you know, wanting those products. And so we definitely – now, do you do any selling on your website? Do you have, a, like, an online store or anything like that, or is it just the physical location? Oh, yeah. We have a great e-commerce site um, you okay. know, on our, at, at our website. And, uh, you know, we have more more products. You know, if you come into Mossim, you're going to find more of a selection than what you'll find on our website, but our sure. website's you know pretty comprehensive. It's okay. just a beat. It's a beast trying to keep up with it. You know, with absolutely, uh, yeah, take, takes anywhere from fifteen minutes to an hour to put one thing on. You know, yeah, uh, I can imagine, and and just keeping making sure those inventory levels are actually accurate whenever it's being pulled from the e-commerce as well as from the store. Yeah. I know is a is a nightmare for inventory management systems. So it I can sure imagine is. That. <laughs> Ryan, do you have any parting pieces of wisdom that you could give our listeners today before we say goodbye and let you go on to the rest of your life? <laughs> um, well, uh, I would say uh, uh, do if you can if you can incorporate what you're passionate about into what you do for a living. Uh-huh. Uh, then you'll 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 find happiness in your in your nine uh-huh. to five in your nine to five. I will. Gosh, I wish it was nine to five, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> more like six to nine or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. PM kind of thing. But but I think you know that that that's important is to uh, you know to try to do what you love and love what you do, 
and uh, that if you can if you can achieve that, then uh, you, you are I think on your way to success. Excellent. Good, good parting thoughts there, because I think so many people do want to follow their passion and some, you know, hearing more and more stories of people like you that are doing that and uh, making it work and making it successful um, really just provides inspiration and motivation for other people. So I can't thank you enough for the time you've spent with me today on your on your day off whenever you have so many other things to do and for how you've shared um, your business and your journey with us. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Ryan. I can't thank you enough for all you've done. Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick and mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.